Wine and True Crime lovers. I'm your host, Brandy. And I'm Jamie. And this is Texas Wine and True Crime. We do what we do so we can see you. Thanks for being here, friends, for Season 2, Episode 6, Who Shot Mary Lou? Well, Jamie, here we are, Season 2, Episode 6. We're in the weekend of love, right? So... We thought a Valentine's case was only appropriate. Um, this case is actually unsolved. Yeah. We're, this is the first unsolved we're doing. Right. So, um, But kind of solved. But kind of solved. <laughs> Should be solved. Right. Um, and I, I was actually just about to say that. It really, really should have, I think, been solved day one. But mm-hmm. we're going to kind of find out some little hiccups they went through with, um, with timeline issues in this case. Right. Um, and we're also going to share some fun facts about Love Day. We are in the weekend of Valentine's, and maybe you've heard of these, maybe you haven't. I'll tell you, Jamie, looking at Valentine's Day facts was kind of a little bit of a rabbit hole, I have to tell you, because I'm like, wait, what? And then you read another one, you're like, well, that kind of contradicts that one. And then you're just like, am I really searching things that happened in the 1300s? Well, yeah, because I always thought Valentine's came around. It was like a Hallmark holiday, right? Like, I mean, that's right. It was created. But I don't remember having Valentine's when I was a kid. Okay, like a well, ki- like young, young, maybe like fifth grade. You did those little cards, right? That yeah. you were perforated, oh, yeah, and you gave yeah. them to everybody in the class, so no one was left out. Yeah, <laughs> right. Do you yeah. remember that? They're like, and don't you, put any names on them. We're right. just gonna pass them out, and it would just say like, you know, yeah. you're a great friend, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, like whatever it was, and then the little heart candies or whatever. But yeah, I don't, I don't know. I well, don't think Valentine's in England Day, we celebrated it. Back. So I was talking to another friend in England, and you know what else you guys don't really celebrate that much that we do is Halloween. Well, we do now, but back then we didn't. Yeah, like they when said I was Halloween a kid. is not big. No. It was never big when she no. was a child. No, when we were kids, no, it wasn't. We had Guy Force Day, which was a totally different thing that okay. maybe we'll get into one day, but that was kind of like our Halloween. <laughs> okay, no, nothing about that, so yeah. definitely we'll have to yeah, yeah, share yeah. that with people. All right, so um, huge thank you to our nuna, new, newest, nudist, <laughs> whatever. It's Valentine's weekend, right? Our newest Winos and Crimos members, Julianne and Marisol. Thank you, ladies, so much. Jamie and I appreciate all of that support. Um, if you want to join Winos and Crimos, just go to our website, Texas Wine and True Crime. Um, scroll down, and you're going to see a little button that says Kofi. We've got a lot of cool stu- stuff coming out, Jamie. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got bonus episodes for our members. You guys can help keep the decanter full each and every month. Um, so definitely, definitely go there to our website and uh, go down to Kofi and learn more. Go ahead and read about it. All right. So the crime we chose for this week is the unsolved murder of Mary Lou Jury. I'm going to say Jury, Jury. There's, there's, listen, this last <laughs> name, there's a lot of different ways you can say it. So we're going to get, we're going to say Mary Lou Jury. I think that's what we think the way it was pronounced. Um, The wine from this week comes from our friends at One Hope. Uh, We are drinking a sparkling rosé, which I feel is completely appropriate, right, Mm -hmm. for the weekend. Um, Can I just say this is one of my favorite wine labels? And I'm going to tell everyone about this label on our wine recess. And it's actually not from Texas. So we're going to... um, We're sort of blending this in with our organizations that we touch on at the end. So we're going to tell you guys all about One Hope. But thank you so much, Kelly, for supporting the show this week and sending us this yummy rosé to sip on. And girl, this is good. I love it. This is like one of the best rosés I think I've ever had. 
Yes. I, I would agree. I would agree. Especially it's, a sparkling rosé. Yes. For me. Because I drink a lot of rosé. So, but yes, I, I agree. It's, it's really delicious. All right. So we're tasting for floral, wild berry, and pip and apple. I definitely taste the apple for sure. And I taste the floral. And she tastes the floral. <laughs> funny. <laughs> and of course, hang out until the end so you can catch our wine rating and review and learn more about One Hope. Um, before we jump into the show, Jamie, you want to let our listeners know where they can find us on social media? Of course. Um, they can get us on Instagram at Texas Wine and True Crime. You can also go to our website at uh, TexasWineAndTrueCrime.com. And of course, you can find us on Facebook and join our group at uh, just search Texas Wine and True Crime. Come in or send us like the requests. We'll let you in. We've been having a lot of fun this week. I know. It's been a lot of fun. So yeah, you guys, if you're on social media, come join us. Say hi. And if you do listen on Apple and enjoy this, sh- enjoy the show, you know, hop on. Give us five stars. We only... It can only help, right? Can't hurt anything. And don't forget to subscribe because we have something fun coming out on Monday for our listeners. So don't forget to subscribe so your phone can just magically download and you're going to go, oh my gosh, look, there's an episode Monday too. Right. Especially this Monday because we're going to be snowed in. Yes. Yes. So guys, make sure you're subscribing. Um, And please visit our website to sign up for exciting news. We are having our first happy hour crime hour on Thursday, February 25th. So all you need to do is just sign up for exciting news so you don't miss a thing. And we are going to send you a reminder about this event. You can register totally free to come. Bring your favorite cocktail. We're going to be talking um, all about our favorite wines, favorite drinks, and a little Casey Anthony. Mm -hmm. So don't miss it. That's going to be a lot of fun. It is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. All right, Jamie, are you ready to get into this week's case? Who shot Mary Lou? Let's go. All right. Let's sip some wine and talk some crime. So this week, we are talking about the unsolved murder of Mary Lou Jerie out of Sugarland, Texas. Um, now, I will tell you, Jamie, this case is 35 years old, right? Right. So there were reports that they lived in Sugarland. Then the reports that they lived in a little city outside Sugarland. Mm-hmm. And then somebody said Houston. But we've already done Houston multiple times, right? And we've never done Sugarland. But they were in the vicinity of, you know, this area. So. Uh, we want to give you a little bit of background on Sugarland, and we're going to give you also some fun facts about Valentine's Day. So let's start with Sugarland first, okay? All right. So Sugarland found its strength in sugarcane production. Um, as settlers began farming and creating plantations, sugar became the primary industry. And in 1908, a sugarcane refinery built in 1896 was purchased and renamed Imperial Sugar. Which we see at the store all the time. Yes. So it was the Imperial Sugar Company that developed the town, modernizing the refinery and building homes for their employees and their families. Oh, okay. I did not know this. Me either. There's a lot about Texas that we don't know. I know. I know. Going through. This is so crazy. I mean, at least you can say you weren't born here, but I mean, I was born and raised here, so (laughs) I probably should know more. You have no excuse. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Number two, Santa Ana's army passed through Sugarland. When the Santa Ana army was on their way to San Jacinto, they passed through the present day Kepner High School and into a spot where Gillingham Lane intersects Highway 90A. I only know where Highway 98 is. I don't know where the other two are, but I do know who Santa Ana is. <laughs> I know Santa Ana. I don't know Highway 98. I've never heard of that. Yeah. Well, your choice, your chance of becoming a victim of crime in Sugarland is one in seventy. 
So we said the other day, one in 10. We we're like, is that high? I think that is high if this is one in 70. Yeah, because okay. <laughs> <laughs> one in I was ten. thinking about that. I'm like, oh man, we said it wasn't that bad. No, that shit's bad. One in 10, don't go there. <laughs> I think we said it was bad. Did we? we? Oh, I don't know. No, we were, we were, were like, thinking... that's 10% chance of being. Well, yeah, but then we were like, oh, it's a one. So, you know, I mean, <laughs> that's close to zero. No, we're totally wrong about that. Sorry. <laughs> so that's why, right. That's so why right. we are not cops. Why, that's why we just tell true crime stories about what they actually do. <laughs> I mean, if it was one in 10 and win the lottery, I'd be pretty happy. <laughs> I'm like, one in 70. Oh, that's much better than the one we did last week. <laughs> All right. So, guys, you ready to hear some little history about Valentine's Day? Yeah, I know. Me too. All right. Thrilled. In the 13th. So, listen to this. All right. And I know I can't even confirm these are all true. <laughs> so, and do with the information what you will. All right. Don't so, send us emails. That is not yeah, right. Yeah. Honestly, I don't care. Actually, <laughs> you can correct us if you like. Give us facts. Yeah. Oh, we are, yeah, we do like feedback. Constructive feedback is always good. Yeah. All right. So number one, guys, in the 1300s, it officially became a holiday associated with love. So at the end of the fifth century, Roman Pope Gelasius, I don't know, Gelasius, <laughs> officially declared the date of February 14th, St. Valentine's Day. It wasn't until the Middle Ages, though, that the holiday became associated with love and romance. A tradition that first started from the common belief in France and England that birds started mating season on February 14th. Hmm. I know. Interesting, right? <laughs> the yeah. birds started the holiday. Huh. Birds and the bees. The bird. <laughs> of course. <laughs> God. Okay, guys. Number two. The first Valentine was sent in the 15th century. So the oldest record of a Valentine being sent, according to history.com, was a poem written by a French medieval duke named Charles to his wife in 1415. Charles penned this sweet note to his lover while he was imprisoned in the Tower of London at just 21 years old. One of the lines in the poem, I am already sick of love, my very gentle Valentine. Oh. I know. 15, 1400s. Craziness. All right. Number three. So about 200 years later, okay, so 1537, King Henry VIII declared Valentine's Day an official holiday. Interesting. Hmm. However, this brings us to one of the most ironic and creepy facts about Valentine's Day. King Henry VIII was famous for having many wives, and then he would actually kill them when they didn't give him a son. Well, when you said that first part, I was like, wait, hang on a second. I was like, King Henry VIII was a So he was, he was a romantic man. by heart, but if you didn't give him a kid, you really pissed him off. I mean, that was his, ba- <laughs> that was yeah. his soft spot. As soon as you said his name, I was like, mm, <laughs> no, that dude was not a good dude. Maybe. <laughs> like, <laughs> that I don't, dude wasn't I don't a, know what he considers You would love. want him your valentine. <laughs> All right. Well, there's so many more. Oh, but guess what? I do have more. This was just so fun. I had to like keep writing. Okay, guys, I'm going to be quick on this, but I do have a couple more I want to talk about. Okay, so according to the National Confectioners Association, caramels are the most popular flavor in chocolate boxes, followed by chocolate-covered nuts, chocolate-filled, cream-filled, and coconut. Oh, I always go for the coconut. Oh, you do? See, I'm not the co- I'm not a coconut girl. I, coconut. I only like coconut and pina coladas. That's the only time I like it. <laughs> of course, it would be alcohol. <laughs> That's the only time I want. Man, I no love- almond joy shit. 
it. I don't want any oh, of that coconut man, I love stuff. me an Almond Joy. Well, then you're going to have to take the coconut chocolates. Chris was so nice to uh, get us for our show today. But there's like those white ones. Those are coconut. Oh, okay. Yeah, take those with you. <laughs> when you leave. <laughs> All right. 16% of flowers purchased by women on Valentine's Day are going to no other person than themselves. Ta-da, that would be me. According to the Society of American Florists. So if you want flowers on the holiday, but don't have a special someone who will show up at your doorstep with that special bouquet, know that you're absolutely not alone if you send yourself flowers. This is actually a huge thing, dude. Millions of dollars are spent on people just sending shit to themselves on Valentine's Day. Which is, well, see, okay, I feel a little bit weird. Okay, do you send yourself a card with it, though? See, that's weird. That's where it comes weird to me is, like, people that send themselves stuff to, like, their office to pretend like there's someone that, like, cares about them. (laughs) That's really strange. I buy flyers for myself all year long. And I certainly kind of don't like the fact how... They really raise the prices like around Mother's oh, Day, yes. no, Valentine's. No, yeah, yeah, like yeah. I can go get make myself a beautiful arrangement exactly. for like I don't know thirty bucks. Right. You right. What a florist would charge like one hundred and fifty. Right. I mean, I get right. it. It's their time to make their money, right? right. I wonder how many women send flowers to themselves <laughs> and pretend they're from someone else, but they're also married. Like it's almost like oh, because their husbands yeah, not like cool don't do shit for them right. or anything. <laughs> like oh, Aww. secret admirer. Come on, dude. You that's know people do that. Oh, I'm sure on. they do. We live in a strange world. Right. Oh, I'm <laughs> sure a... they do, but I oh, think yeah. that's kind of sad. No, oh, I can see it. <laughs> <laughs> I can too, but it's Number so six. <laughs> and the last but not least. Okay. St. Valentine's Day Massacre, February 14th, 1929, was Chicago's north side erupted in the gang violence, right? So Al Capone... So this is 1920s. Al Capone, he sought to consolidate control, basically eliminating all of his rival rivals when it comes to the bootlegging, gambling, prostitution. So a rash of gang violence reached its bloody climax in the garage on the city's north side, February 14th, 1929, when seven men associated with the Irish gangster George Bugs Moran, one of Capone, Capone's longtime enemies, was shot to death by several men dressed as policemen. Mm-hmm. So the St. Valentine's Day Massacre, as it's known, remains unsolved till this day. They have officially, they never officially linked it to Capone, but they're pretty sure he was responsible for this. Oh, I'm sure. That, I mean, all of that stuff was like crazy when yeah. Capone was involved yeah no one's gonna say a word because you're gonna be next <laughs> like, yeah, it's like we didn't see nothing we don't know all right guys there's some valentine's day facts go ahead and google about saint valentine's day and go down that rabbit hole as well all right so on the morning of february 14th 1986 mary Lou Jerie was going to spend her morning decorating and preparing for her mom's birthday party that she was throwing that afternoon in her home Um, Around 8.15 a.m., Mary Lou's mother receives a call from Mary Lou's husband, Stephen. He asks his mother-in-law, whose name is Maria. uh, He wishes her a happy birthday, but he basically asks her to go over to his house and help Mary Lou decorate and get ready for the party. So after they get off the phone, she immediately calls her daughter, but there is no answer. So she thinks this is weird, right? So thinking this is strange, she gets in her car, makes the 20-minute drive over to her daughter's house. So when she gets there, she knocks on a back door. I'm assuming, Jamie, they had like a little back driveway thing that led up to the house because that is the first thing, that is the first place she goes is the back door. Mm -hmm. Um, But there's no answer. 
When she goes around the front, she notices that the front door is unlocked and ajar a bit. So she walks in, makes her way to the back of the house, and face down on the floor is Mary Lou. She's been shot four times. She is rushed to to the hospital a short time um, later and then pronounced deceased. Who is responsible for Mary Lou's murder? We're going to find out. Okay, so like we said, this is an unsolved case, right? Um, But the family till this day, so this is 35 years later after after this murder, they're very confident that they know exactly who took her life, right? right? Okay, so let's talk a little bit about Mary Lou and what might have transpired the day of her murder. So as we know, it's Valentine's Day, 1986. Um, It is her mother's, Maria's birthday. Um, Mary Lou and her mom were actually really, really close. So researching this case was tough, right? Because I think about your relationship with your mom, Jamie, and the relationship I have with my mom and how close we are to our mothers. Yeah, like my best friend. And And to have your mother find their child deceased, you know, it was, it was terrible. So she, um, basically I saw her in several interviews and she said she was erratic. Like she started touching her, kissing her, trying to like shake her awake. It looked like she thought she maybe had fallen on her face, like had just like sort of passed out. Um, but then she realizes that her daughter, her daughter is dead. Well, and Hispanic moms too. I mean, they are like, I know. They love, like, I mean, our moms love, obviously, but they are all about their kids. Like, I know. So I bet she was just losing it. And again, imagine, okay, it's your birthday. You find yeah. your daughter deceased. She's throwing you a party. So this woman, for 35 years, has probably, well, I mean, she says she thought about this 100,000 different times a day. Yeah. Yeah. It's her birthday. So every year on every her year. birthday, it's just, she probably doesn't it's even just, celebrate her birthday. No, probably not. And, and it, it, it's very hard to heal from anything like that. And mm-hmm. so, um, but even though the reason they were close and reason this is going to become important is because her mom knew from the very beginning, something was not right. Yeah. Like she started to pick up clues in the house. We'll kind of talk about a little bit, um, but she believes this crime was actually very well planned. Yeah. Very well planned out. Mom always knows, man. Yeah. Since Mary Lou is not here to tell her story, um, Jamie, I was thinking we could speak from the mother's point of view and the family about her, her marriage, you know, where they're and really why their suspicions have lied where they have for the last 35 years. Mm-hmm. All right. So Mary Lou was 33 years old at the time of her death. She had been married to Stephen for just three years. Uh, she was a, a successful realtor and her and Stephen was in a, a successful insurance business. Um, he, now, they both owned this business. They were in business together. So these two professions, Jamie, you know, they're a good match. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is a match for success. Um, and even in our roofing business... Casablanca Roofing. You know, we work <laughs> with these plug. people. Yeah, we work with these people, right? So we know yeah. the value of having a relationship with yeah. realtors and insurance specialists. Um, so we know how dynamic this team really can be. Uh, you know, what is interesting and what will come up later in this case is the fact that they both worked from home. Okay. Right. So neighbors would actually end up telling authorities when questioned after they found Mary Lou's body that it was extremely rare for Stephen to leave the house before 10 a.m. Yeah. They weren't warning people. They said that they never really came out in the mornings. There's no reason to leave if you work from home. Um, But we'll find out that Stephen was actually not home when Mary Lou was killed. 
So remember this one, friends, right? This will come up towards the end of this story, the timeline, him not being home in the morning. So we'll get we'll get into that. So according to family and friends of the couple, they were very successful. They were living in a, in a, a huge home, a very affluent neighborhood. Uh, it also was actually said that they loved the nicer things in life. They had this really big big ego, big lifestyle yeah. that they wanted to maintain. Yeah, so she had all kinds of furs yeah. and jewelry. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. But actually, people said that he was the spender. Mm. He was the one who really spent the money and really cared about the image more than Mary Lou did. Right. Um, and there were also reports that, um, that not only did he like that lifestyle a little more than her, but was there possibly some money troubles? Right. Right. So Marie, Mary Lou's mom, she believes so. She said from the very beginning when after she found her daughter that, you know, she feels like her son-in-law had money troubles or he needed money or that he was just money driven in general, his personality. Right. So and I want to stop here for just a second and say it is I don't know how common for people listening that it is for your spouse to call your mother mother-in-law to go and wish them a happy birthday and go and ask them to go to their house. So I want you to think about that because I've been married a long time. I have brothers-in-laws. She was very suspicious from this phone call. Yeah. That's why she immediately called her daughter because I believe they were so close. She knew that for him to call her and ask her to go over there was odd. Well, yeah, if it was out of character... You know, like if that wasn't something yeah, he normally would do. I don't find that they do. were close. No, because she said that like they weren't close, right? I right. Think it, like so, yeah. I can't imagine my husband calling my mom and telling my mom, basically giving my mom. Well, first of all, my mom would be like, "Who the hell are you calling me? Right? Telling me what right. to do?" But like, just I mean, I know it's nice for sons-in-laws to call their mother and wish them a happy birthday. Like, yeah, I get that, but, but it's eight fifteen in the morning, right? And just right? be like. Yeah. And this dude's like usually in bed at this time, right? Now he's out somewhere making this phone call. (laughs) Trying to cover his ass. So weird. All right. So her mom also says that Mary Lou was constantly crying about one thing or another in this marriage. Mm. Um, She said the tears went on for years. Okay, guys, they were only married three years. (laughs) She said that the last two years, she had been literally crying over everything. So, I mean, now we're really starting to kind of see a picture from a mom's point of view of, like, where this marriage actually was. Right. Um, and, and just the feelings that were kind of going around. So, now, I like we said, Jamie, I really got the vibe that these two were not close. Right? They, they really weren't close. I don't think she trusted him. Um, and now that her daughter is deceased, I think she's kind of ready to put the heat on him. I almost felt like watching some of her interviews and just her speak. Like, she was... It's sad, but it's almost like mom's tuition was first and foremost. Oh, yeah. I mean, the look on her face mm-hmm. and the way she speaks about it, she is she very knew. affirmative about the way she feels about this oh, yeah. this whole case. She was ready to, you know, put the smack down. She was like, I, yeah. you know. Yeah. yeah. And I do believe that from day one, when she saw her daughter lying on that floor, that um, she knew he was responsible for her murder. Yeah. All right. Guys, it is already time for a wine recess. Thank goodness, because this is so yummy. It's very good. Okay, so let me tell you about this label, because I've never seen anything like this. Have you, Jamie? Mm Mm-mm. Okay. No. And I don't know if it's on all their bottles of wine. Maybe. 
but it is on their rosé. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about it. Okay, so on the bottle, it has One Hope Sparkling Rosé. And then it tells you this bottle funds healthy meals to help end hunger. Okay, so this we are um, um, spotlighting this today because it has to do with organizations and giving back. So that Jamie will get into that at the end um, on, on what this organization does, what this wine company does. But it says one in five children in the U.S. are unsure where their next meal is going to come from. So it has all these different things on the labels. It has wine profile, like the acidity, the body, the sweetness, tasting profile, what it pairs well with. Yeah, that's really cool. So this one pairs well with smoked salmon, strawberry salad, hammocks, and giggling. Hammocks and giggling. I love that. <laughs> when I first read it, when I was standing over, Jamie's the- like, "What's giggling?" No, <laughs> but I didn't know because I thought when it came to pairing about food, and I was like, I almost asked y'all. Have like, you ever ate giggling? <laughs> I was like, "What's?" <laughs> I was like, "What's hammocks and giggling?" I'm like I know a lot about food. Is that supposed to say ham hocks? <laughs> That's what I thought. <laughs> I could have lied. That's exactly what I thought. I was like, hang on. I don't got my glasses on. Let me Randy, there's a misspelling on this bottle. You're going to hate it. No, hammocks and giggling, guys. I still don't know what Just hammocks. not today. You'll freeze your oh, ass off. like a hammock. Like oh, with- shit. Are you just not getting this? <laughs> oh, my God. Yes, I still didn't know what shit. hammocks were. We got a long day, too, guys. Oh, my God. While, while Jamie processes hammocks and giggling. Hey, look, there's been times when I've said things and you're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I had no idea. That is so funny. Totally makes sense now. It's, it definitely great? goes with hammocks and giggling. Absolutely. <laughs> Between that and that Chardonnay we had from Slato, like I'm literally going to stock up on all this stuff in the summer because this is a good. This is really delicious. Really sure. delicious. Yeah. Oh, buy the pool bottle of that in your cooler. Oh yeah, yeah. delish. <laughs> so so all right. Well, Jamie thinks about hammocks and, and how stupid I am. <laughs> <laughs> let's get back into the case. Okay, so let's talk about the day of the crime. Um. <laughs> Like I said earlier, Stephen was said not to be home at the time of Mary Lou's murder. And, of course, he has a minute-by-minute alibi for that morning. Minute-by-minute, okay? (laughs) Okay. So he said he woke up early, like earlier than usual, 5 Mm a.m., okay? Had some coffee, got on his computer at home, and then he got dressed and left the house around 6.30. So he said it was a busy day. By the way... You can see Steven in some interviews if you want to search them. Mm-hmm. I don't like his eye contact and then veering off to the left yep. with his eyes and then lies. looking at them. Going, yep. Lies. It's all lies. This is like um, a pompous ass. Now, I, uh, we'll get into the end. When we get to the end, we'll kind of talk about, um, I don't know, if you want to tell me what you think happened. I think, I've, I, think I might know what happened that day. Yeah. But. Here's what obvious. here's what we do know. Okay, so this is the alibi he he's giving the police. So remember, when neighbors were questioned, they said it was not typical of him to ever leave the house before like nine or ten a.m. Okay, so this this case actually made it to unsolved mysteries. Yeah. So this it was a big case. Do, 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 <laughs> Love unsolved do, do, do. mysteries. <laughs> so they interviewed Stephen. Um, 
And, okay, so they interview Stephen on Unsolved Mysteries, and they interview the mother, Maria, right? Mm-hmm. So he's talking about his alibi, and after he leaves the house at 6.30, he says he stops at 7-Eleven to buy a coffee. He then goes to the post office to pick up their mail, heads to the donut shop to get donuts, and then stops at a business named Precision Glass. So he said he starts to leave Precision Glass, but then realizes that he had told his wife he was going to call her at 7, and then he realizes it's 7.30 and he had not called her yet. So he goes back inside of Precision Glass and uses the phone at the receptionist desk to call his wife. So he basically says, I spoke to her when I called, and she said, I'm really, really busy. I got to go. And he said he just let her go. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, wouldn't it be great if we could have, like, somehow the receptionist desk would have, like, picked up on this call to really see if there was someone on the other end? I always think about that because that's how they, you know. And was he trying to make the call from there to be on the alibi? Like, oh, yeah, he did call her. Oh, yeah, he was talking to someone on the phone. But we don't really know that, right? Okay, so around 8.15 a.m., that's when Stephen calls Maria. So he asks Maria, you know, will you go to my house and help Mary Lou with the decorations and just get things ready for the party? So Maria will say in several interviews, like I mentioned, that this was strange, right? She mm-hmm. thought it was so odd that she that he would call her. Um, so the mother immediately calls Mary Lou after they get off the phone. Right. And she doesn't answer. So that's when she gets to the house and finds Maria shortly after 10 a.m. deceased. She tries to wake her. She thinks she fell. She starts screaming. She knows her daughter, you know, is now dead. So when the paramedics arrive, they try to jumpstart her heart with a shot. Okay. So we've seen this before. Is this like the, what's that movie? Pulp Fiction. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Where they just. That's like the only time. But that was like a drug overdose or whatever, wasn't it? And then they jabbed the. But but it was to get the heart started again. Right. So I'm wondering if it's the same chemical. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But here's what, here's something that I guess all of us true crime lovers need to keep in mind and maybe anybody in the medical field, but I didn't know this. Okay. But with that shot, it didn't work. Okay. We know that it didn't work. And I think this is the missing piece of the case in my opinion, but because of that shot, they could never get a time of death. They never ever could get the time of death because when they went to the autopsy, trying to figure out the time she died. Because of that injection, it basically threw off the ticking time of your body, and and they have no idea what time she died. That's so crazy. But she was shot, right? So there's blood, right? Right. So couldn't they kind of maybe have gotten some stuff from, like, how the blood was No, I'm sure they collected. Yeah, but, I mean, we're talking about a matter. But I don't know. But that could be, like, a matter of, like, three to five hours. But then if you're trying to really narrow down a timeline... And, I mean, I think this person just got the luckiest break in their life by this happening. Because Mm -hmm. I think if they would have been able to get a timeline of her death, then they would have known, right? She said, I mean, basically what a lot of people thought was some, she answered the door for someone, right? Right. She was home alone. She answered the door. But her mom says, no way. Mm -mm. My kid, my my daughter would have never opened the door for a stranger. Right. Um, So I just feel like... It's just a crazy bummer because I really feel like if they would have had a better timeline with the husband's alibi, with all what the neighbors usually see and what people saw, I feel like that it would have been yeah a little bit, uh, the outcome could have been a little different. To really say was the husband involved or not, right. could it have been someone else that was here, you Which, know, yeah. type of thing. 
All right. So uh, she was shot four times with two different guns. So she was shot with a 38 and a 22. Mm-hmm. Now, her mom will tell police, you know, my daughter was a very, very safe person, right? The doors were always locked. She wouldn't have opened it for anyone. Um, and she also thought the house just looked a little too neat, mm-hmm. a little too staged. She said there was jewelry lying everywhere on her daughter's dresser. She kind of like peeked and looked around the house, right? So she tells the cops, I don't see anything missing. Right. But then the husband comes along and says, nope, there's lots of jewelry missing. Her furs are missing. There's about $40,000 worth of stuff missing. So they're going to take half of the stuff and not take the other half? Yeah. And the mom even said the jewelry that was on like the counter or her her dresser, Mm -hmm. that was worth a lot of money. Yeah, like. 30, yeah. like a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. Yeah. So um, that becomes another another thing is the mom really just saying, hey, this looks kind of funny and suspicious and weird. Um, and he's basically saying the opposite. Like, no, somebody broke in the house and they took $40,000 worth of stuff. And left the other part. <laughs> yeah, and left the rest. Um, so interesting. Stephen owned guns, mm-hmm, right? So mm-hmm. the cops asked him, we need to look at your guns. And they did determine that none of his weapons had been fired. So it also comes to light that Stephen actually took out life insurance policies on both him and Mary Lou two years before this murder. Okay. So if either of them died, the other one's getting about $400,000. Yeah. So we mentioned the life insurance money. um, And after her death, just 10 months later, he tries to cash in on it. Okay. So her parents are like, no way. They think he's murdered her. So they go to the court and tell the court that they believe Stephen is responsible for their daughter's death. Um, But before the trial begins, her parents and her husband settle outside of court. Now, here's what's interesting. Part of that agreement was that the records for this would be sealed and neither party would be allowed to speak on who actually settled. Right. So from what I could find, the settlement is still sealed. Yeah. And not available to the public. I couldn't find anything on it. Um, so it's interesting. Yeah. We don't know. Right. And I know that the mom said that they didn't settle. That they settled on behalf of them. So maybe like the lawyers settled on behalf of them. It's a. It was weird. Well, whatever it was. I don't think the parents would settle. I mean, it wasn't about money to them. Right. You know, so something's not right. Or did they just pay him, or did they, or something happened to where they didn't want him collecting four hundred thousand dollars, and basically kind of gave something to go away? Hmm. Yeah, I don't know, but I think this. There's still so. Here's the thing: I think they were only supposed to be sealed for like three years. Hmm. I don't think it was supposed to be this thirty-five year later thing. Um, So it would be it would be interesting to see if anybody can find anything on this. But from what I read. It looks like they are still sealed and not available to the public. That's just weird. So it's no secret, right, that her parents think Stephen was responsible. Now, I will say, right, we live in a country where innocent until proven guilty is the way that it is, right? So whether Mm -hmm. we like it or not, Stephen, you know, has not been charged in this case. He says he's innocent, that he wasn't home, that he loved his wife, that there was no reason for him to take her life. Uh, The two guns used in the murder have never been located. Um, they do believe if they can find these guns, then they can bring them to the person who was actually responsible for this. Yeah. And do you have two people if you have two guns? 
mean, do you have one person or, or do you two make different it guns? Look like there was two people. Right, right. <laughs> and whatever happened to all the other stuff? Like, if someone was to rob a house, they would probably go and try and sell fur coats, watches, diamonds. Like, none of that stuff was ever... I don't know if they do that. Well, maybe maybe back then, but nowadays it's so hard to trace those things online. I think they just give them to people in their families. That's what I think. I think if you're going to steal something, you're stealing it, and then you give it to a woman in your family. But not only if you do a robbery, it's to get money for whatever, like, you're stealing, right? I mean... Yeah, but in 1986, that was easy to do on the streets. Right nowadays, when you have yeah. stuff over the internet, it's easily traceable. Like the guy that opens like that. jacket. It's like, want to buy a watch? Yeah. Want to watch? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't, sir. And that's not a watch. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, like we said, Stephen has never been charged in this case. Guns have not been found. So, in 2018, Mary Lou's brother pleaded with the public on a news station um, right out of Houston to help find answers about his sister's murder just because his mom, he wants her to have closure, Jamie, before she passes away. You know, Maria is now in her 90s, um, and Stephen is actually still said to be living in Texas. God, is he going to come get us? Let's hope not. If you're friends with Stephen, don't bring us up, okay? (laughs) Okay, it just never happened. (laughs) I didn't say what city he was living in. I did find that out, too. And we never said he was guilty. (laughs) Yeah, I said innocential proven guilty. Okay, I said it. All right, so can I just say, though, if he was responsible to me making that phone call on her birthday, knowing she was going to walk in and find her daughter (sighs) dead, to me, that is just a level of fuck you mm-hmm. that he was feeling towards this woman i think he hated maria and i don't what i mean well we don't know why right i mean well because listen when i saw this woman in her interview and the way she was talking about her daughter and the and mm-hmm. how this is how my daughter was this is what she believed in yeah. this and he was like she's like like that guy wasn't i mean she's she basically was enough. like it was it was terrible what yeah. they were the relationship wasn't good she wasn't happy he was, um, you know, he liked money. He didn't care about my daughter. But to make, I mean, that's some cruel, hardcore shit. Mm-hmm. Like, if you did do this. Now, I, are we allowed to say what we think happened? Sure. I mean, it's just an opinion. I mean, it's not. I don't think he did it himself. Oh, maybe not. Yeah, because he's probably a coward. I think he was. I think he was definitely not at home. Uh, now, something could have happened way before five a.m. or six a.m. Well, that's or what I was talking right? about, like the blood thing. Like it could have happened the night before. She could have been dead for I, who spoke to her like the last, like you know, the day before. Mm-hmm. That could have happened way before that morning. I think he knows something. I think he knows something. And I think that, um, I think it was well planned out. I do think, I agree with the mom. I agree with the mom with that. Did they check with neighbors? Did they hear gunshots? I mean, if she shot four times, that's four They had really nothing. I mean, that was the problem in this case. They just kept, I feel like when I saw this interview in 2018 with the brother, he's holding up her beautiful picture and basically the cop said Maria wanted me to have this picture today because she looks at it every single day for 35 years and can't figure out why we can't solve this case. There just isn't that much. I mean, we're already to the end of this. There, there just wasn't, he is still a suspect. 
He is still a person of interest. This case is not closed. Yeah. This case is wide open. But nobody's ever come forward right. with information about something that slipped out or something they heard from someone. I mean, there's been lots of tips, but 35 years later, you have to think they don't have much. Yeah. I still just don't have to much. Me. Four, four shots. Mm-hmm. They don't ever talk about anything about the blood. I mean, you bleed out. That's a lot of blood. Mm-hmm. Did he shoot her somewhere else or someone shot her something? Then he brought her back to the house and staged like laid her down in the house. Like, well, she was you shot in here. the back. Well, she was shot in the back. Oh, three well, times. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So then some, that's where the whole idea of her opening the door for someone and then her running. Yeah, but they would turning around running trail like they would have been not if he not if she ran to the back and the person followed her in. It wouldn't be he didn't. I don't think she was shot at the front door. I want to see crime scene photos for this one because I just Mm -hmm. it just doesn't seem right to me. Well, yeah. So we know three in the back and one in the side is where she was shot. So you're either she's either going to be doing something, picking something up, somebody standing behind her and just shoots her or she's going to be running away. Does I don't think she, yeah. I don't think she let anybody in the house like her mom said. Mm-hmm. You right. know, I don't know. It's just weird. Well, I mean, and then we see those weird cases, Hi. right? Where there, there's like nobody. We hear about these women not opening the doors for anyone, and they see a freaking clown on their doorstep. You remember oh, yeah, that? that lady? Yeah, okay. that was in Florida, right? With flowers or yeah. balloons for her birthday. It was like for her birthday. Yeah. yeah, and then just shoots her. Yeah, I mean, so maybe. Was this person dressed up as somebody who she should have opened the door for? Mm. A police officer? A fireman? Were they dressed a certain way that she would have trusted them to open the door? Mm. I mean, we all say our kids are safe and they know not to open the door. But at the end of the day, she's an adult. Well, we know that it had to have been before... What time did he call the... So he said at 6.30 he left the house and he called Maria at 8.15. So it had to have happened before 8.15. Because he wouldn't have called her... Knowing it wasn't finished, that she was right, 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 and he left. That's just, I don't know, it's quite a mystery. I know, How but do you live with yourself. I mean, I don't know, I'm sorry, but I, he's got his name's written all over this, one way or another. If you ask me, well, the family does not deny that. I mean, it's not Jamie, Jamie, we're not sitting here saying he did it. Like, her, his family, her family has come out vocally and yeah. said. He, we think he's involved whether he actually shot her or not right. we think he knew knows something no i think he probably kept his hands clean on that part but he definitely i think i, I think hired somebody too. or whatever yeah and i don't know i feel like maybe she uh may have opened the door for someone who looked like they could be trusted there's always that he too. may have told her too like oh someone's gonna be delivering a cake right you know, so Just make sure we don't know. You know, or I've got a surprise coming for yeah. your mom for her birthday. Yeah. All kinds of Just things crazy. we don't know, right? Mm-hmm. Well, Jamie, that concludes episode six of season two, Who Shot Mary Lou. Um, if you would if you find out more information about this case, feel free to message us. Shout it out in the group. You know, um, we always want to hear from you guys and your feedback. If you want to see pictures related to this case, you can find them on our Instagram and Facebook page, Texas Wine and True Crime. Okay, well, we already know we're giving this five quarts. <laughs> it's easy. Easy five easy. because it's delicious. Kelly, this 
sparkling rosé is seriously one of the best I've ever had. It's so good. Mm -hmm. The color is beautiful. The bottle is beautiful. I love the presentation. Um, So thank you again, Kelly Saversky, for sending us this rosé to taste and share with our friends here at Texas Wine and True Crime. Um, As you know, we always highlight a charitable organization each episode. So one hope, um, it fit in perfect for today. So Jamie, can you tell us a little bit more about One Hope and how our friends out there can learn more? Yeah, so it's really cool. So they have a bunch of like independent, like, what do you call them? Distributors? Or... Okay, mm-hmm. yeah, independent yeah. distributors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so Kelly being one of them, which we're going to put her link up so you guys can click on her link and buy from her. Um but they do really cool things. They've done like $6 million in donations. So like every time you buy a bottle, a percentage of it goes towards a oh. foundation of whatever. Okay. But you can also do like online virtual parties. You can do, well, that's pretty much it for now. But you, <laughs> yeah. you could at one point do in-home parties. And 10% of everything that your friends buy from you goes to whatever foundation that you want. So, so so cool. But they've done so much stuff, man. They've built like schools in Guatemala. They've planted a whole entire forest in Indonesia. Wow. I know. Like, it's just insane. I I could go on and on about the numbers. They've helped over 83,000 pets to find their forever homes. I know. Over 7 million uh, people have been educated about endangered species. Um, It just kind of goes on and on and on. And I mean... How do you go wrong? You're, you're you're drinking wine and you're donating to a good cause, and it's delicious, guys. Like I'm, you know, Brandy knows how I am sometimes with wine. I'm like, mm, I don't know if I really like that, or when it, I mean, we drink a lot of wine, but this one, this is great. So we we definitely want you guys to go and click on Kelly's link and buy some wine from her and have your money go to a great place. Yeah, yeah, and win, I did look win. at their website. I know it is a win win and. Um, Kelly, thank you again. We love that the idea of One Hope, we are excited to try more from you guys. So thank you again for just supporting this, um, our little venture here, sharing wine with all of our friends. And they have some really, like, if you think this bottle's pretty, they have some that are all glittered. Glitter, I saw that. I mean, what a cute gift. I know. Guys, ladies, go look at that. It is, it is sparkly. Jamie's right. It looks like shimmering gold, like Mm -hmm. for, oh my God, for New Year's. How fun would that be? Or like a bridal shower, like super cute, so cute. All right, yeah, go check that out. We will have um, Kelly's website and more information um, on the link to our show, so go check it out there. And as always, Jamie and I love supporting all businesses. We are business women and entrepreneurs ourselves. So if you want to hear your name on our show, we can bring your company to light and tell our friends about it. Just email us at team at texaswineandtruecrime.com and we can tell you how we can do just that. Okay, guys, Burr, oh if you're God, in it's Texas. It's so cold in if, Dallas. I know. If you're in Texas and we get snow, enjoy it. Enjoy it. Um, it's Valentine's Day weekend. Stay oh warm. So have a loved one and be cuddled up. Be nice. I'm going to cuddle with my dog. Well, they're warm. <laughs> Hell, they're warm as shit. I'm like, get over here and, and hug me because you're so warm. I know. Me and Bella will be cuddled up tomorrow. All right. Well, until next time, friends, stay safe, have fun, and cheers to next time. Cheers.